1: plushcare.com slash weight loss.
2: Welcome back to the Farm Supplies Podcast for episode 24 with myself, Jack Creswell. Today on the show, we have Anne Hurd. He has more than 10 years under his belt dealing with farmers across Australia in the banking sector. By visiting and hearing concerns as an agribusiness banker, he saw some trends with those working in ag. From horticulture, livestock and broadacre, he's dealt with a lot of different farmers along his way. With the statement that budgets are king within agriculture rings true to know your position now what you can do tomorrow and within the next few years. Ian got in touch with me a while back as someone wanting to help improve the focus of farms by not just looking at them as a lifestyle, but to operate as an agribusiness. This is a really interesting podcast as we get into budgeting for agribusinesses, meaning your farm. All farms are a business needing direction. So let's get on with the show then.
0: Okay, so... Right, with a with background in, in finance, about 40-odd years. Um, most of that in so like South East Queensland, Central Queensland, Western Queensland, New South Wales and Perth. So I've been around a bit um, and, and done quite a lot of um, interactions with farmers over those years. Um, the last 10 years has been purely um, with... with um, farmers in a rural banking background um, so I've, I've spoken to hundreds of farmers over, the, um, over my career and over the time um, from all sorts of farming from small farmers to horticulture to broadacre to graze um, so yeah I, I have a good understanding of what Farming is about, what farmers want, the different types of farmers there are out there. So I suppose my main outtake I've taken from from that um, is that farming is a tough gig. Um, It's very hard. Um, Fortunately, there is some support for some farmers out there um, to help them in times of need. But it's very tough but it can also be very rewarding. Um, yeah, the one, one of the, the main issues I'll probably come across um, with, with farmers is, do they consider farming to be a right that they should farm or are they looking upon it as, this is a business that I happen to be in and I'm going to make the best of it and see what I can make of it for my future. It's it's very hard when you're a generational farmer, even if you're first time farmer. It, it's it's a um farmers I've spoken to want it because it's it's part lifestyle, part their passion and, and everyone likes to do if, if you can. You are employed in something that you're passionate about and love. Yeah. Problem with farming though, is that um it's getting harder and harder for the small farmer to make a good profit and to make a go of it. Uh, it it's becoming more corporatised. Um, superannuation companies are in there. The large farming groups are taking over smaller farming groups. Um, so it, it's a case almost of um, go big or go home. So that, that's been my main...
1: Did you see that as, as you visited farmers? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, you you can the see pressure? it. Um,
0: yeah, there are very few farmers I've ever spoken to don't have some form of pressure on them. Yeah. Um, they're, they're virtually always under pressure. When I talk to farmers, I try and drill down why they are farming and what they want out of farming, what they want for the future. Some of them seem to get stuck that my father and my grandfather and my great-grandfather and grandmother, they were farmers, so it's in my blood, that's all I can be, is a farmer. And that's what I'm going to be. Although I'm finding now with some of the younger generation, they're moving off the farm, um, but they do... Tend to want to migrate back at some stage or another. Um, but yeah, it, 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 it's hard there because it, it is a way of life, as you'd be aware from your family and farming background. It, it, it's it's a way of life farming. I mean. um, exactly. But it's not.
2: I think for <laughs> younger ones moving back, the average age is 27, and that's the age I, I am moving in back yeah. to the farm. Um, yeah but I think it is good to get some skills off um, and then bring them back to the farm.
0: Absolutely. I, I think that's vital actually is, is to go out and have a look what's out there. Um, Cause farmers are good at taking up technology and you have to have tech, the newer technologies. You have to have newer ways of farming. Sometimes new is old going back to the way you care for the land. Um, you know, putting windbreaks in, what you do with the soil and, and not just dump bags and bags of fertiliser on it, but look at other ways of improving your soil. But it all costs money, unfortunately. Um, but sometimes you've got to spend it to make it. So it's good to go out. If if you've been living on the family farm and that you're at 15, 16, 17, 18, I, I think it's, um, it, it's probably really important that you go out and you have a look at how other people farm or you go to some of the ag colleges or or courses that are out there and just have a look at what what's out there, different ways of farming, what people are doing. Um yeah. it, it it's not enough just to rely on what you've done. It, yeah, it, it might be working, but if you've only got a family concern, is it working well enough to hold onto the farm or you're just going to be struggling for the next 30 years to make a to make a, a living.
2: Yeah, that's it. So I suppose we need to be looking at our farm as a business. Did you see like a difference when you were visiting farmers? Like people were starting to look at it as a
1: business? Probably one of the biggest issues
0: that, that I came across and, and other bankers come across is that farmers don't look at their farm as being a business critically enough. Um, their farm is a business. It just happens that the main undertaking, the main income-producing element of that business is agricultural-based, whether it's cropping or grazing or horticulture or to whatever, you know, it, that's that's where you get your income. But that's only part of the business of farming. There's paperwork. Um, there's futures. There's knowing what is out there, what technologies are out there, what new methods are there to farm. Um, there's tax implications, there's getting all your figures up to date so that you can go to banks for proposals to help you. You've got to be a weatherman, you've got to be a sparker, you've got to be a mechanic, you've got to be a plumber. Um, you've got a lot of hats that you've got to wear and somewhere along the line you've got to manage all that. I guess. From a banking point of view, one of the hardest things to get across to people was budgeting, Um, and and it's vitally vitally important to budget. Uh, Most people don't do it because they say, I don't know what next year's going to bring. I don't know what the price is going to be. I don't know whether I'm going to grow two tons to the acre or... One ton to the acre or four ton to the acre. I don't know whether the price is going to be 300 a ton or 200 a ton or 500 a ton. And to a degree, you don't. But that's where your averages come in. You've got to work on averages. But if you're looking for a bank or someone to assist you and you don't know where you're going to be in 12 months' time, five years' time, 10 years' time, then it's pretty hard for a bank to accept that you're going to be there because you, you, you haven't told the bank and, and you don't have an idea yourself. So ultimately, if you don't know where you're going, and it's pretty critical, why are you, why are you in a business?
1: Yeah.
2: I think like you know. relying back on that of knowing what your cash flow is or your budget for, for the month ahead rather than looking into end of the quarter, getting your baz ready.
0: Mm yeah it, it's one of those things that budget is you're forecasting based on averages um even back in the old days when you had the old exercise book in the back shed where you put down the rain and, and the amount of yields you used to get or you know how many cattle and their weights and all that type of stuff on, a, on an exercise book farmers have, have got the knowledge to use it so they need they need to use it as part of their business planning to know when to spend, what to spend, how much to spend, or not to spend. It, it's a business and there's a lot of there's a lot of contingencies within farming, you know, weather being the main one, but the prices you can't control. That's the other part about farming. You don't really have the ability to control anything, because it's all up to the weather, the buyers of your of whatever you're producing, because unfortunately farming is a a price-taking business. Um, It's one of those things where they've just managed to, I don't know, generational, allow farmers to uncut each other's, to sell their goods. So it's sort of like stuck over many generations that the the buyers out there will will pay as little as they can for your goods and unfortunately, Farmers really don't have a lot of say in it. Um, What's what's a couple of
2: pointers that you would get someone to do that is preparing a budget for the first time as a farmer?
1: What suggestions could you make? The the first thing is
0: is obviously find out the averages um, or, or the the old as they used to call them the old DPI sites, the, the government DPI sites, Q Rider and, and New Zealand Farmers and all that, or or even whatever particular industry you're farming in, there's usually a controlling body over that. You can get a wealth of information to work out averages. Some of it can be very complicated though. You don't need to get you know down to the nth degree. But you should have an idea that if you're growing a thousand Hectares or a thousand acres or whatever of wheat or maize or barley or cotton or whatever, you should have an idea of how much a yield is going to be.
1: Yeah.
0: From district averages, from talking to other farmers, from talking to the co ops, um, having a look on the net and, and just putting in your area and saying, you know, this is where I farm, what's the average yield? Have a look at that. What's the average price been over the, the last five years? That's going to be, that's pretty much how the banks work is is we just work on averages. Um,
2: Yeah. I suppose it's setting a benchmark for yourself to reach as well.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. There there are some, whether you're budgeting for a farm or you're budgeting as a -A PAYG employer, um, there are some, there are some items on there, most expenditure items that are fixed. you your insurance, you know what that's pretty much going to be year after year. Um, electricity costs, water rates, um, regos, wages, if you've got any, um, fuel bills, et cetera, et cetera. You pretty much know what that is going to be. So it, it, it's always the case you should start off with the known factors when you're budgeting. Yeah. So if you, you know it, and each year, unfortunately, most of those government services, the last five plus years having going up by six percent per annum so whatever you were charged last year when you do this this year's you would just multiply by six percent and there's your new new value. Um always allow a contingency in in your budgets um for the unknowns and you're blowing up whatever the case may be um so you start off with those ones and then then you start plugging the gaps with okay if I'm using if I get an average of two ton Per acre or per hectare or whatever, and it's three hundred dollars a ton. Well, this is my price, um, and then then you work back.
2: How would you see budgeting within a drought compared to like what we're coming into now, a bit more rainfall?
1: Would Would you change that benchmark? That's that's the thing about a a budget. Yeah, it,
0: it, it's a living document, um, so it should never be looked at. Okay, I've got to prepare one well for the bank or whatever. I've done that, thank God, and it goes in the bottom of the drawer. You put it on the, it, it's saved on the hard drive. And how many clients I've seen year after year saying, "Have you got your budget in front of your head?" You go the budget. I don't know. I didn't look. I didn't check. I just did it because you guys wanted it. Um, it. It's a living document because you don't know whether it's going to rain, whether it's going to flood, whether it's going to be a hailstorm or, or or a. Um, Fire or whatever, you don't really know. The unfortunate part about farming though is those fixed costs are always going to be there. So you've got to know if you not, if there is a drought, and you're not going to get a crop, or you're only going to get 10% or 20% or 30% of your yield based on what's on in the paddock, how's that affect me? How much short am I in my cash? And then you've got to go to the bank and say, this is what's happening. And hopefully next year will be better. This is what I'd get in an average season. But because this year's drought flyer, you know, all or, or those natural occurrences, um, what, am, what am I need some help to do this?
1: Yeah,
2: I think a lot of farmers, they're leaving their budgets in the back pocket, which really they need to be in the front pocket. Better, quicker yeah. access to to see what's going on, so they can adjust, adapt.
0: Yeah, absolutely, on, on, on your computer, and there should be someone, and this is why farming is a business. If you don't have someone who has got the knowledge to put or make up a cash flow on your computer and then have the ability to weekly or monthly, at, monthly at the very least, compare your actuals to what your forecasts are and have a look at it on your computer so you've got your forecast you did the beginning of the year beginning of the season whatever the case may be and then every month you know those bills are coming in and if suddenly your your crop is going to fail or, or, or your your livestock you're having to dispense half of it or three quarters of it because of the conditions those bills aren't going to go away so how is this going to affect me? So you need to bring up that budget and be able to readjust it and put it in so you know what's going on. Then you go to the bank or then you make the decisions. Well, I was going to fence the back paddock and I was going to put up a new shed. Well, obviously I can't do it now because of this cost. The unfortunate part is some farmers can be a bit optimistic that it's going to rain next week. The prices are going to be better next week. Things are going to get better next week. I'll just spend it anyway. Or they don't have a, uh, you know, they don't, they don't critically analyze what they're doing. Um, and, no, and no business is too big or too small not to have a budget.
2: Yeah, absolutely. What sort of like size budgets have you been dealing with for that, like for a quarter? What would you be budgeting for, like a livestock enterprise?
0: In in what, in dollars and cents you mean or or what sort of items?
2: Yeah, what sort of items would you be budgeting for? Like are we setting a budget for new equipment? Um yep. as well as buying new live more livestock in.
0: Yep, yep, yep. You've got to cover it virtually everything is coming in. So if, if you need feed, um the vet has to come in, you're buying new livestock, um, you're selling. Um, you need new vehicles, new farm equipment, new chainsaw or you need a new fridge in the house whatever um it, it, everything's got to be thrown into in into the mix yeah and that and that's when you're looking at it
2: I think coming through the drought having like an absolute minimum um buying in feed if you're spending ten thousand a week, you're probably getting too far ahead of yourself and you do need to get. Rid of some livestock.
0: Mm, that, and and that's the thing. The budget will show you at what stage. And, and this is the hard one of the hardest things um, that we came across with a lot of graze is is that line of cattle they've got, or that line of sheep they've got.
1: It's taken them ten years, fifteen years, or
0: whatever, to to get them to do what they they do. And so they don't want to sell them or sell them down because I'll never be able to replace them because the these cattle can these c- cattle can tap dance on the kitchen table or whatever. I, I don't know. But the fact of the matter is there's always more cattle out there, more sheep out there. Whatever line you've got, is it worth holding on to if it's costing you $10,000 a week and you've got no income in? That's a... Pretty expensive mob of cattle or, or sheep or something like that. So that's where the budget comes in. At what stage does it become un- unprofitable? And should you just divest yourself of all stock and wait? That's what a budget will show you. Yep. Um, and, and that...
1: Looking at
2: prioritizing your budget. Like should I mm-hmm. get the farm shed or should I be selling off before the drought really bites?
0: Yes, yeah, that because that that's the other thing too is livestock. When you're talking more livestock, like when you're cropping, it's mature. You've got to take it off. Um, livestock, do I hold on to them for another week because the price is going to better? Um, and and I see that a lot. It's it, it's almost like gambling on the on the stock market. Um, will, will I hold on them for another week because I, I, my agent tells me they're going to go up by? 10 cents a kilo or something like that. The other thing is that might be the case. However, what does it cost you to hold on to them for another week or another two weeks or another month in terms of feed or if it's a pretty average or below average season, if you're holding on to your line of stock for another month, how much more of the feed on your property is going to be used by that stock and are they going to gain any more weight? So that 10 cents might sound handy or 50 cents a a kilo or something like that, but the reality is, uh, is it actually going to give any more money in your pocket and is the flip side of it by selling them today at 50 cents a head less, kilo less, actually, you're going to make that up because your paddocks are going to be better. It's costing you less than feed. You don't have to defer bills. You don't have to pay interest on the bills or interest on the overdraft or you might have a loan payment due or whatever the case may be. And, And that's where your budget comes in because I think sometimes I've seen, I've spoken to a lot of people who say, I'm not selling this week because the agent told me next week they're going to be better. Next week, they don't get better price. It actually falls. So that 50 cents, they fall by another 50 cents. So now the farmer is waiting for the price of the stock to go up by $2. He's got to cover the dollar that they've dropped and it has got to get the dollar that they thought that they could get two weeks ago. So they're waiting for it now to go up by $2. Has it ever gone up by $2 in the past 12 months? It it becomes a bit of a false sense of economy. And so you you can chase your tail a bit in, in doing that. That's where the budget can spell it out to you. Yeah. Yes, it's I should sell or I shouldn't sell, and that, that's what I mean. Uh, farming is a business and it's, it's it's really complex, but the paperwork side of it can be just as important, if not more important, than actually making whatever it is that you're growing or grazing or whatever the, the optimum um, that it can be for that property. It, it's just as important, and who's ever doing it needs to do it. Um, and, and I found once people start doing that, taking their bills in, checking that against budgets, you know, getting their baths done and all that, they can actually get it down to 10 to 15 minutes a week, yep. and and that's all they need to do. If they hold off to, for a month or six months, well, you know, simple math, you know, the, the job becomes half a day or a day to get up to date, whereas if you just look at things and do it a little bit every week, it doesn't take long to do it, and it's 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 pretty simple. Um, but yeah. that's the thing about farming; it, it it's complex business. And, but if you don't treat it as a business, um, unfortunately nowadays you you will fail. Yeah, and you can going to catch up. To keep you. ch-
2: chasing your tail.
0: Yeah, yeah. Or unfortunately, the government will come knocking on your door because you've missed something.
2: Yeah, it's not until you um, stop chasing yeah. your tail that you finally realise. Like, shit! I should have been doing this a while ago. Now, uh,
0: yeah, absolutely. It's just as important as the latest tractor or, or the latest fertilizer on there. It it, it is just as important um, as as those things to make a success of your farm. The other beauty of it, if if you become critical and analyzing your business as what it's meant to do, it's meant to run a profit. Yeah, sure, it's got a lifestyle component to it and what's a lifestyle work, that depends on what you're doing. But at the end of the day, it's, it's a business, it's supposed to be profitable and to make you money. If it's not, by doing your paperwork and being aware of what's going on, you can also tell this business is now failing, I need to sell. And that's an important issue. If you want the equity to remain in your farm, you need to sell sooner than later. Never wait for a bank to ask you to sell because it's probably too late. The banks, by the way, will always ask you to sell before they'll actually sell you up because they want to protect your equity. Um, But that was the other thing I've seen in farming a lot. One of my outtakes is everyone dreams of winning the lotto. They'd love to win a million dollars or $2 million or $5 million. Hallelujah, great times. I'm out in the tinny fishing and I'm going to retire there were so many farms I've seen out there that have that much equity in them, yet they're struggling to turn a dollar. They're struggling to pay their bills, but they've got that much equity in there, mostly because they think next week it's going to rain, the prices are going to get better, next season is going to get better. Sometime or another there comes a crunch and it's time to say the weather has, been, weather has beaten me, now to protect my equity I will sell I'll move into town or I'll buy a small hamlet and I'll work for someone else um at whatever because the farmer's got a lot of skills it's a hard pill to take and I've seen a lot of farmers who who, um take it very personally as if it's their failure you know mum and dad had this property and my grandparents had this property or something like that how come I can't make it go well did they have 10 years of drought in a row or 10 years of poor prices in a row? At some stage or another, you, you, you've got to be critical and say, well, I've got to sell my property. Um, and that's really, really hard. But it's no different to anyone else doing any sort of business. At some yep. stage or another, business is failing. I saw, you go.
2: I saw online throughout the drought, there's a few farmers like, looking for other jobs, not selling out their farm, but just getting mm. an extra income in, which is good thinking yeah. to get around that.
0: Oh, absolutely. Most most family farms nowadays or first time farmers, uh they pretty much all have off farm income. Yeah. They they just can't make a living um from the farm alone. They need to work off farm to be able to get to a point where they can become sufficient or 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 um buy another property or a bigger property so they can quit their other job or something like that. But yeah, it's just a fact of life sometimes that you've got to have off-farm income.
2: Looking at the cash flow for farms okay. and like your previous clients, how, how did mm-hmm. you deal with that or how did your clients deal with it with like selling livestock or harvesting? It's more of a lump sum.
1: Yeah.
0: Surprisingly enough, you can get pretty close to your budgeted figures. One of the fears that farmers always relayed to me was, I'm gonna hit them over the head with a big stick because they didn't achieve budget.
1: Yeah. It's not the case at all. Um,
0: because like I said, there's so many um, influences out there that, that can change it. But I would hit them over the head with a big stick if they came to me at the end of the season and said, I need another $100,000 because things haven't worked. Um, or, can't make this payment, and I need money for the next payment. What can you do for me? Well, I'm a banker. What can I do for you? It, it, it's your farm. You tell me what your farm can do for you. Put up a proposal, and we will agree or disagree with it. Um, so again, it's been critical about your farm and and, and what it's what it's going to do. Because you know? um, bank, bankers are bankers. They're not farmers. Well, some of them have farming backgrounds, of course, but um, they don't know the property like you and they, they can't create magic to like they can't do your budget for you. Um yeah. you, farmers have to do it themselves and they have to be aware. Um so that's what I mean by living document just just keep referring to it um and what's happening on your farm.
2: Yeah and being proactive and um, keeping on top of it.
0: Absolutely. Um keeping the dialogue up with with your um with your bankers is, is always very handy as well. Um, the good and the bad, um, and don't be afraid to tell them the bad. But as I said, always have some sort of plan in hand and then you talk it over with the banker to say um, that because what, what, one of the issues we always had, I, I suppose it was negative, was someone coming to us, whether it's farming or any sort of business and saying, I'm not doing so well, what can you do to help me? I don't know. It's your business. What can we do? I, I, I can say yes or no if you come to me with a proposal, and that's all I can do. And then I can check figures, but but I can't I can't make up a solution for you. That's that's to do that as part of your business.
2: Yeah, as head of the farm, um, or something, they should be taking action, be the decision maker for that, but have absolutely. the budget in place already to make those decisions effectively.
0: Absolutely, yeah. They have to be aware. Can they? Is the farming going to be sustainable? Can they survive, or is it time to sell and protect the equity they've got um, and move on to something else? You know, it's not bad if you've got a million dollars equity to buy a three hundred thousand dollar home. You still got seven hundred thousand dollars in the bank. Middle now, you get no interest on it, but. Um, it's still better having $700,000 in the bank in a home you own than to be struggling to put food on your table for, for what? And I think that was one of the things about talking to farmers too. I, I, I talked, I, like I said, I've talked to a lot of them and, and I'd ask them, what did you want to achieve from your farm? When did, did you want to retire? What
1: sort of lifestyle did you want to have? never
0: had one answer me surprisingly enough most of them pretty much said um that they looked at me blankly um when i'd ask that question i'd say what about holidays um all right i've I've been to i've been to the coast an hour away i'm happy enough that um or 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 whatever but what about overseas travel (sighs) nah um what okay so what are you going to do you're just going to die on the tractor you know or or out birthing birthing some um, lambs at at two o'clock on on the side of the side of the mountain in in a rainstorm and they find you three days later you know so that's going to be that's your goal in life is to do that um i said you you've got to think about what what do you want because it it can become all consuming and you forget what life's about. You know, it, it it's meant to be enjoyed, and yeah, farming can be enjoyable, but do you need stress, do you need the same the same paddock for the whole of your life? And and that's what I've done. I've left a legacy for my family or not, or I've left a big debt for my family, but I haven't done anything with my life. And and I'd say it's it's right or wrong. I, I think it's sometimes sad though that that's forgotten. And and it's not only farming, a lot of people look at I'm a CEO of a company or whatever like that. And, and then they turn around and find out their kids are now 28 with kids of their own and go, oh, last time I saw you, I think we were kicking a ball in the backyard. You're only about five.
2: Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, you know what I mean? What, what's So it, there's a lot of things and that's what, why it's a business. You know, what do you want out of your business? When are you going to let your children take over the farm so that you can retire? what's the end
2: point i think like a lot of startups not just in ag tech or whatnot like they need to have an end point what would they sell for when are they happy Mm. um you got to plan for that definitely and maybe for agriculture that's succession farm succession going on to the younger generation or selling to another generation coming in
0: yeah yep yeah. and and that's what generally that's what happened as you're aware in the farming you know a lot of it's just being sold because the sons daughters don't want to do it um a lot don't look at yes a lot don't look at um selling and retiring because they don't want to live in the city or the the town or whatever the case may be um but i always think yeah well give it a whirl give it a try um retire succession planning I mean, you can talk about that for another another hour, but it's a really, really important part of your business. It, it, it's a, it sits aside from your budgets and it's just as important for your farm to have a succession plan in place. That, you know, as far as I'm aware, there's no um, government regulations on who does succession planning or anything like that, the advice, um, but it's something that, all farmers should be thinking about is what's going to happen to my farm. What's going who, who's going to get what, basically. Um, so at some stage or another, and and preferably when the families still like each other, um, and after Christmas Day or something like that, when everyone's jolly and happy, um, is a good time to sit down and say, okay, who wants to be a farmer? Who doesn't? Who, who who gets this? Who gets that? Uh, I've seen so many families split because of succession or or death in the family, or or a um a partner who comes into the the family, a husband or wife comes into the farm. Um, i seen brothers who never talk again because they've got new partners. Um, it, it, it's just sad sometimes to see farm broken up because it hasn't got the succession planning or, or they haven't put things in place to protect the farm um, so it's it's really important and sometimes you've got to talk to your solicitor or your accountant or um, someone who knows something about succession planning or, or, or the pitfalls of not not planning so yeah it's one of those things as, as like any business if you're bringing in a new partner even though they may not be the partner of the business, but if, if your, your daughter or your son is bringing in a partner in the business um, through a personal relationship, well, you've got a new partner in the business and, and the dynamics change dramatically. And that's something else that you have to plan for. Um, so as, as I said, it's, it's a tough gig being a farmer. Um,
2: Absolutely. But I think like what we touched on, getting that budget ready um, can create Better access to, like, for the farmer to have an end goal in place for those wanting to come in and for the farmer wanting to do something else at the end.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. It, it's vital. That that was one thing, it's vital for that. Um, technology is another issue that, that farmers need to be aware of, that's important as well. Um, all farmers that I talk to readily embrace new technologies. More so however on bigger, better, more efficient tractors, harvesters, rippers, um, gates, whatever type of thing. Rather than sometimes they should be looking outside the square. Okay, there's drains out there, there's um driverless harvesters, that there's robotic pickers. Um they're, they're tracking for your source, it's thermo tracking of, of, of your, your property, mapping of your property from drains, which you look at the way the water sits and everything else like that. There's a whole raft of technologies out there that farmers need to be aware of and they also need to be aware of what's happening in, in the world. Um, it, it, it's amazing. I, I think one of the biggest Tomato producers in Australia now is, is in the middle of the desert somewhere in South South Australia.
2: Yeah, down near um, Port Augusta.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, it, Israel is farming like crazy. Everything's under under um, greenhouses and netting and everything else like that. Um, there, there's warehouse farming, um, vertical farming, um, self-reticulating farming, where they're going from old car parks and cattle up the top and crop and fish down the bottom, and, and it just circles around and looks after itself, that, that technology and the way of farming is, is going to make a huge impact, I believe, but I'm not a university degree or, or anything like that, um, it's just what I see and hear. Um, the, the, the technology is going to be there where some farming is going to be done on the edge of cities before long. Um, a lot of small crops, um, horticultural berries, things like that. A, a lot of that is going to be grown undercover, uh, and with LED lighting, um, air conditioning, um, water retriculation, all of that type of stuff, you, you can build that in a you know nine-story building, and and you've got 50 acres of production there because you there's no there's no season. It's yeah. It's round. whatever season, what, what, and there's no pest because it's all indoors, so you, you don't have the pest things there. You, you, you're giving it the nutrients it needs to perform year-round and to perform to grow bigger, better, cleaner. And I, and I think Australia, it, its reputation as being green and clean, Um might be under threat because all these other countries are starting to grow things in greenhouses. Got, they don't have to use pesticides. They don't have to use chemical sprays. They're just putting nutrients into them and pumping them out. Yeah. Um, again, I might be at <laughs> the top of them, but I, I just read a lot. Uh, there's plenty of places on the net to find it. Um, I, I was thinking of trying to show some, but unfortunately, it, it's there's so many of them. Um, but it's whatever industry you're involved in. If, if you just Google basically that industry and, and say technologies or, or wheat farming in, um, in the Ukraine or, or, or tomato farming in Israel or berry farming in Europe, and it'll, it'll take you to these sites and, and show you. So it's something that farmers need to be aware of as well. Is, if they're struggling now what's the future viability of their farm what's its worth is it going to be worth the same as a farm or is it going to be taken over by residential or is it going to be taken over by a high rise on the edge of a city which then doesn't have any transport costs um i'm not trying to be doomy and gloomy but it's just something again as a farmer you've got to just have so many hats on um you, you just got to be aware of what's What's going on there? And I think the technology side is do your research on the computers, find out what's there to help you do your farming quicker. Um, I think you said you use drones on the property, you know, it's much quicker to fly a drone over your property to check for broken fences or, or troughs that aren't working or windmills that aren't working or pumps that aren't working. Sitting at home and looking at the camera and you know, 10, 20 minutes of flight and it's done your property, which would take you what, three hours and a in a year plus all the petrol etc etc costs so um embrace it um and and use that sort of stuff
2: it's exciting times to see what we can implement into it but i think this this podcast there's some great takeaways um that Mm. everything can start from budgeting you can start to look at these innovations coming through uh, whether or not you can afford them and where they'll fit into your place
0: absolutely yeah because it's it's case of that that's that'll show you what you, 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 how much money you disposable income you've got because um, it's no no different to p a y g most people get in trouble because they don't know what their disposable income is, so they go and buy <coughs> they they they'll go and buy um a cup of coffee and and a cake every day well they shouldn't have you know that they, they'd spend fifty dollars or whatever it is seventy dollars. That they really didn't have that they should have paid off their debt or um, used for something else. It's okay to do that, but you've got to know what your disposable income is. And your disposable income might only be three cups of coffee a week. Fair enough. Do it. The other two days, you yeah, drink water. Or take a, take a um, spoonful of instant Nescafe 43 in with you to work, and you have to drink that. You know, it's, it's just a way of making do How yeah. things work. Yeah.
1: It's those
2: little implementations, of course.
0: Mm, yeah, yeah, it, it is. Um, it, it, sh- it just shows you when bills come, in as well, because sometimes you might be able to juggle bills. And if if you get all your bills in in June and and your income in July, well, talk to your talk to your supplier and say, can I pay you in in, in August because I don't get my income until in July? Because if you're paying it in June, well, that's thirty days where the bank's making money off you. Um, yeah. So if you get a ten percent discount, but it's cost you ten percent in interest.
2: Absolutely. right, Ian. We yeah. might start to wrap it up there, but yep. a few great takeaways. Thanks for coming on the show. It's been great to... No, it's a pleasure. Talk, talking to budgeting, a bit different area to what we are, but we're here to build up agribusinesses across Australia, so hopefully yeah, I, I, you did, take something away.
0: Yeah, yeah. You're doing a great job, Jack. I hope they, they will take away something, yeah.
2: That's it. Maybe steps towards the end goal. But for the podcast... Who is someone on here that you'd like to hear from and why? You could pick like an industry or...
0: I'd, I'd probably like to hear from the horticultural boys um, who, who are doing, you know, like the berries and, and um, growing under the greenhouses. What, what do they see for the future
1: yep.
0: in, in um, greenhouse technology and small cropping? What, what do they see for the future?
2: Yeah. yeah, I think they're quite dynamic in the way they can change. Speaking with the citrus industry and like Aussie mangoes last week, um, it was really mm. good to see what they're doing. Yeah, I think horticulture right. would be really good.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, another good industry is the um, academia industry. Um, got a very, very good association that supports them. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just just the innovations they do – um, it's, it's not just growing the nut, it's the value-adding, they're, they're doing it, they're, they're telling the, the, the buyers out there, it's not just a nut to eat, you can put it in ice cream, you can put it in cakes, you can, you can do all sorts of things with it and they're actually actively finding things. Hey, ask growers, come up with um, come up with a new use for a macadamia nut and we'll, we'll see if, if it's viable.
2: Yeah, definitely. Give um, the consumers again.
0: recipes, and they'll make them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and just think outside the square of what you can do with the humble old maca.
2: Yeah, that's it. How if someone wants mm. to reach out to you, Ian? What's the best LinkedIn?
0: Um, yeah, LinkedIn is the best. Um, just just under my name. Yeah, that's the best way to find me. Or, or through through yourself. Um, yep. I am on Facebook as well, but that's. Facebook's Facebook, Facebook, um, but there is a, a just my under my name.
2: Excellent. Well, you can find all the show notes at farmsvoice. after the show. Perfect.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, lovely.
2: Right, then, thank you very much for coming on the show. It's superb to have All you. right, pleasure.
0: Yep, thanks. Thanks Appreciate that.
2: All good. See you, mate. Thanks for listening to another cracker episode with Ian and myself. Hope you can take something away from this. I definitely have that I'll be able to use on my own farm and for my old man as well to help you improve your operation and your budgeting. If you've got any questions, check out our new feature on farmservice.com.au, Ask Ag, a platform where you can refer to for questions and answers for virtually anything within agriculture. It's quite new, so whack up a question there and wait for someone to respond to it. It'd be good to be able to refer these, refer back to these so that you aren't losing your questions and the answers that others give on social media. Another way I'm supporting a transparent industry through sharing information to help the next generation. If you have any recommendations on topics for the podcast or speakers, please do let us know at hello at farmsadvice.com.au Or give us a DM on social media. We'd love to hear from you. Tune in next week. Cheers.
1: Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter.